Hey, everybody, and welcome to You Were Born for This podcast with me, Father John. I'm your host. I'm the executive director at Acts 29. And in this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to transforming parishes. And I'm here, as always, with my dear friends, co-hosts, Nick and Mary. How are you guys doing? It's doing great, Father John. Great. It's a it's great good day. To be together. We're enjoying these July days. And uh, Nick, what's our topic? Yeah, so today's title is Be a Caleb. Ooh. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk about Numbers 13, 14, Caleb and Joshua, and just kind of... Not about, the Numbers 13 the and 14, numbers. but the Book of Numbers, right? The Book right? of Numbers, yes. Oh, yeah, just, exactly. That's not exactly one of those books that a lot of people read. <laughs> we're just talking about numbers and digits today. No, yes. Whoever the marketed the Old Testament should have done a better job with the naming, I think. But uh, any, Okay, so that's clear. Yeah. The Book of Numbers, book chapter, of numbers 13, 14. chapter 13, 14. Caleb and Joshua. It's just two extremely relevant characters mm. for us today because we're facing some unprecedented times and so they, they they are just great models for us so before that though father john will you open us in prayer indeed yeah in the name of the father the son the holy spirit father we thank you for uh, the opportunity that we have to gather right now we thank you for all our brothers and sisters who uh, are making the effort to listen we pray that the words that we speak would be only the ones that you want us to say we ask you to put uh, your words in our mouths, that they would be edifying, encouraging, and hope-filled for those who are listening to us and for ourselves, that we might uh, go out into this world which is hungry for the transformation that can only come by the power of the gospel and your spirit at work in our lives uh, to take place ever more fully. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Yeah, so I'm going to make a caveat right off the bat. So I'm on a boatload of pain pills right now, and one of them is a steroid that's making me, like, really intense, and the other one is a muscle relaxer, which is making me really slow. So I'm, I'm probably going to say some really stupid things. So that's the caveat at the beginning. So, uh, yeah, so having said that, so be a Caleb. So, yeah, this is a passage that uh, maybe, like, three weeks ago, I think, when we were sitting around in here, um, almost out of nowhere— the Lord just kind of put on our collective minds. I know I've been praying with it for uh, the last number of weeks since that came up, and we really want to offer a reflection on it uh, today. As you said, Nick, it's really very relevant. So um, usually when people start doing a Bible through the year time plan, they get to Numbers, uh, um, mm. and then they quit somewhere later on. But Numbers is actually an exciting book, despite the name. And in <laughs> chapter 13 and 14, so the basic story is the Lord commands Moses to select spies— to go into the promised land. So they've left Egypt. Egypt's in the past. They're still wandering in the desert. They're about to cross into the promised land, and Moses is instructed to gather men from every tribe as spies, and they go into the land. And then they come back. And they come back and they make a report about what it is that they've seen. And the report goes something to this effect. Yes, the land is rich with milk and honey. Yes, it's a good land. But the people there, are huge, and they're too numerous, hmm. and they're too strong, and we don't have a chance. And so what they do is they sow fear and discouragement and anxiety amongst the people. And so as a result of this, the congregation just goes into an uproar. They complain and grumble again against Moses and Aaron. Hmm. The only people who don't speak like that are these two figures, Caleb and Joshua, most of us probably know Joshua, right? He's Moses' right hand and the successor. I think we intentionally entitled this Be a Caleb because not everybody knows Caleb, right? But it's these two people, Caleb and Joshua, who say, yeah, it, it is a land that's occupied, and yeah, the people there do look big, but don't be afraid. Like, 
we don't have to worry about them because if God's with us, then we have nothing to fear. Hmm. So again, the people that hear Caleb and Joshua, and they, their response is they want to stone them. <laughs> Moses gets on his face, gathers oh, the congregation together. He hears from the Lord, and the Lord says, here's, here's something that maybe many of us don't know. So the Israelites wandered for 40 years in the desert, right? Even though it's a really short trip from Egypt into the Promised Land. Why did they wander 40 years in the desert? Well, they wandered because the spies were 40 days in scouting out the Promised Land. And so for every day that they were in the land as punishment, God had them wander in the desert one year. Mm. So 40 days equaled 40 years. And the only two people who survived it were Caleb and Joshua. So that's the backstory of, of Numbers 13 and 14. We, we felt like the Lord really brought it to mind for us, mainly because um, there is so much discouragement and anxiety and fear mm -hmm. in this culture that we're living around right now, right? And so Caleb and Joshua's words basically to the people were like, no, we can win. We're not too small. We're not too weak. We can do this, not because of us, because of God. That's such an appropriate story for our time and our, and our theme today. So we're seeing and we're hearing from more than a few people who serve as leaders in the church who are seemingly paralyzed, right, by fear. And we're seeing and hearing Christians at large mm. paralyzed by anxiety. And it robs us of our freedom as Christians if we're living bound by anxiety. And then... Um, and then we're seeing and hearing Christians seemingly filled with rage. And there seems to be like this contagious uh, feature to rage. It's, it's like mm. it's the thing to do right now. I mean, it's like a culture of rage. I think we've talked about that in, in past podcasts. But if we, if we look at Scripture, if we look at Paul's letter to Timothy, he's offering thanksgiving and encouragement when he tells Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but rather of power mm. and love and self-control, mm. right? And, and, um, and that's not to deny that we're not supposed to deny our human feelings, right, Father? I mean, we, we, yeah. we get it. Right. I mean, so we, like, I think most of us know that the most frequent command in the Bible is do not be afraid, which is really encouraging on one hand. At the same time, it's rather alarming on another. It yeah. means that's the thing God has to say more than any other thing. And when he says, do not be afraid, when we say that over and over again, when we quote Joan of Arc, to, to interpret that as the command, do not have the emotion fear, uh, no, that's not what it means. <laughs> I mean, fear is a human emotion. Anger is a human emotion. Uh, anxiety comes our way. What, what the Lord's saying, what Joan was saying, what we're saying is don't give in to it. Don't be overwhelmed by a spirit of fear. Don't be overwhelmed by the temptation to anxiety. Don't be overwhelmed by anger, right? Um, I, we were sharing just this morning. We had Mass and uh, uh, the Gospel this morning for uh, the, the day that we recorded this podcast episode in was Jesus' words in Matthew 11, where he says, Come to me and learn from me. And I was sharing with you guys that earlier this morning when I was praying, I felt like the Lord gave me this image uh, of a, I could see a man and a horse and the man was just calling the horse to himself. And the horse was wild, you know, kicking, and it would stomp its feet and it would, or its hoofs. It would back up and it would shake its head. And gradually, the man just kept enticing the horse closer and closer to him. And then 
you know, the horse is still kind of uh, resistant, wild and whatnot. And finally the man just like starts to stroke the horse's head and calm it. And then he slips the bridle mm. onto the horse. Well, the man was Jesus. Mm. Uh, the horse is me because I'm so agitated right now because of all that's going on in our country. I'm thinking, especially with COVID. I mean, the, we've talked about some of the social unrest. We don't want to minimize that in the least right now. Um, I'm agitated by that too, but I just said to the Lord, why am I so agitated? And the Lord just says, come to me and let me meek you, which is a, a word used for breaking a horse. So he doesn't want us to lose those emotions that we have, but he wants us to let him tame them, right? To harness them, to put them all under control. You know, Father, that's, I found, like I'm sure you did, Nick, that was such a beautiful image in prayer. And I think when we when we see what we're seeing in the culture, ultimately what we're looking for is control. We feel like we've lost a sense of control. Mm. Like we're no longer in control of our lives. We're no longer in control of our schedules. We're no longer in control control of events and flights and anything that we want to do with our families, weddings are being put on hold. So we've lost this sense of control. And mm. I shared with y'all after mass, um, shortly after um shortly after you had shared that I had like this random but beautiful image of the Lord and I on the dance floor. And so I'm dancing with Jesus and he says to me, Mary, will you just let me lead? Hmm. And I thought, gosh, you know, Lord, with, with, with as docile as I feel as, you know, we try to be in prayer, the Lord knows my heart and he knows I'm struggling with control too. Cause like, I want to know what like next week's going to look like, because that's even, that's where we are. And so it is a matter of control, but if we've given our lives to Jesus and we've given him full reign of our life, just like that horse that has to be broke, hmm. right? We, we have to be broke too. And our hearts say, okay, Lord, I trust you. Amen to that. Um, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. give you my life and, and I'm going to not try to get paralyzed by fear you, so as to move in freedom in a time where we need to be. Did you catch that? I was the horse. She was dancing with Jesus. No, no, yeah. No, no, no. Anyway. No, you but, know, you but, know what I mean. But I was thinking while Mary was talking, like, at least Father John let the Lord touch him as the horse. I think I just kicked the Lord out of the way this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> anyway. So so this is this is, I mean, I think you know, it's our hope that that's, that really resonates with you listening mm. to this because that's, we're all there, right? I mean, uh, we're, we're all going back and forth between these, these, these sometimes getting disordered passions, you know? Mm. And, um, but back to Numbers 13, 14, I mean, you know, this isn't, this isn't to be um, naive or optimistic thinking about, you know, Joshua and Caleb's attitude of like, that's all true, but it's okay because the Lord's on our side. In the same way, Though there's so much chaos around us and those kinds of things, the signs around us, it feels completely out of control and it feels daunting and it looks like the odds are overwhelmingly against us, if you will. Um, Jesus is Lord and he is with us. And so we don't, much like Joshua and Caleb, we don't have to, gi- we don't have to give in to some sort of look at the world, you know, take an account. No, the Lord's the X factor you have to bring into the equation mm-hmm. here. And so, so, so not, being, not being naive, the signs around us, it looks like things are going to get harder. They're going to get tougher for us as disciples of Jesus. And by all signs, it also looks like the country is going to continue to go through just a lot of upheaval. I mean, it, 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 we keep thinking like, okay, this thing that's taking place in the culture is going to calm down. But the succession of events and unrest is like 
It's just like a new, a new day, a new event, a new day, a new unrest, a new day, a new crime, a new, a new things happening. And so all these accounts are telling us probably things aren't going to get better right now. Probably as disciples, it's going to get harder, but Jesus is Lord. He's already won. Father John was saying this morning, the single greatest event in human history already happened. Amen. And so, and so we can be confident, right? So it's to be hopeful. We're supposed to be hopeful because God is, well, he's, well, he's God, right? He's I not mean, a God. He's the God, right? And he's a big God, and he's a powerful God. And he's a loving God, and right? And he reigns. He's not absent. He's not far away. Yeah, and again, you know, we, we repeat this over and over again, but it, maybe we do it because we're talking mainly to ourselves, but it's just so important to keep recalling, right? Jesus is Lord, right? Which means nobody else is. Mm. He is, and he's Lord of heaven and of earth, right? He says in, at the end of Matthew's gospel that all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. So, you know, we, we, we soak ourselves a fair amount in, uh, in a lot of different authors, but we, we've been reading an, uh, an awful lot of N.T. Wright lately, and um, I just want to acknowledge that because I'm going to use a lot of his, uh, his language right now. There's a tremendous little book called Simply Good News, which... Uh, I might encourage you to kind of add to your your book list uh, or your your Kindle queue. Um, so the, the gospel, the way here's how Wright puts it, right? So the gospel is not advice. It's not advice on how to like find inner peace or you know how to f- find moral happiness or even advice on like how to get to heaven. Although getting to heaven is really important. Um, the gospel is the news that something has happened. What, what, what is it that's happened? The death and the resurrection of the eternal Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. That event has forever changed the world. Now, that in and of itself is a scandalous claim because those who, who have rejected Christianity, they would say, no, nothing's, nothing's changed since then. Nothing's different. The most significant event was either still up ahead in the future— it's coming, or it was the Enlightenment when we kind of woke up to scientific and, uh, you know, other kind of technological uh, discoveries. But no, the single most important event in the history of the universe has happened. God became a man, went to battle against the powers of sin and death, defeated them, and now the world is a different place. So that's the first part of the gospel. Huh? Something has happened. The second part is this. Huh? Something will happen. In the future, what will happen? Well, Jesus is going to come back. Huh? The, the true king will return and put all things uh, into mm. being as they should be. Huh? Heaven and earth will merge together. They'll marry together. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. That's what Revelation 21 and 22 tell us. In the meantime, something is supposed to be happening in our lives right now as disciples of Jesus. So I think this is, we've, we've reiterated this a number of times, but I think it's because maybe for myself, like I find out I'm examining my own preaching over the years and just thinking like, Lord, forgive me for the times maybe I gave a, a skewed version of the gospel. You know, like um, holiness is important by all means, but, but life now as a disciple of Jesus is about more than becoming holy. Getting to heaven is by all means important, right? But the message of the gospel is not simply news how to get to heaven. The task of the disciple now is to be an instrument in God's hands to work for recreation, which began on Easter Sunday as best we can in our own sphere of influence 
until Jesus gloriously returns. So you and I are supposed to be, I love the way Wright puts this, working models of recreation. In other words, people are supposed to see in me, some days anyway, like example evidence of the fact that God is recreating me. Like, to go to the horse image, like I don't kick as badly as I used to. <laughs> like I'm growing in self-control. You know, we can all tell about how our lives have changed since we've encountered Jesus, how we've surrendered to him, let him put his yoke upon us. Um, and our parishes, this is so much of what we're aiming at in the white paper that we put out there. Our parishes are supposed to be places where, first, this new creation is preached, where people can grasp the mission of the church to go work for new creation. People can experience the power of recreation at work. People can gather with others who've been recreated, who, are, who cross every traditional boundary, right? So they, they, they genuinely manifest the unity that only God can bring about. Um, they're continually nourished. We're still talking about a parish here. What's a parish supposed to be? It's a place where people are nourished by the word and by the sacraments for the work of, cre of recreation. So, you know, the parish is supposed to be, again, this is rights language, the church is supposed to be a microcosmos, a little world of the world to come. In other words, it's not supposed to be an escape from the world. It's supposed mm. to be a place where people can see new creation happening. And people can come and see this. And it's what people are longing for, right? So all the unrest that's around us, which we want to keep acknowledging, it's, it's rooted in so many right and appropriate emotions, huh? a passion for justice, a passion for unity, a passion for dignity, a passion for love, a passion for mercy and forgiveness and truth. Those are all God-given, right? Those are spot on. We're supposed to have those. We're supposed to be fighting for those. The church is the only place where this can actually happen because the only way this can happen is by the power of the Holy Spirit recreating first me. Otherwise, it just becomes a bunch of special interests kind of increasingly, in increasingly louder fashion, yelling at one mm -hmm. another, demanding their own rights. Yeah. And what we want to be is passionate about everybody's dignity, right? Yeah. Father John, as you're, as, you're, as you're sharing this, it's not like I haven't heard this before from you. It's just, again, it's just like ministering to me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, but just two quick things. If you're hearing this and you hear the church, that doesn't mean like father and the physical property. That's us the disciples, the followers of Jesus. That's the church, right? I just want to make that really clear. Mm. Father John, as you say recreation, really practically speaking, just like maybe one example, like what, what does that look like for the Holy Spirit to recreate me or for me to be a partaker in, in recreating the world? What, like, what is that? Yeah, so I keep going back to that example of the judge. He's the guy I think of the most because here's a man who had such a prominent position who heard this language for the first time. He's like, I don't know how to apply this. Like, how do I... Be in, how do I serve as an agent of recreation as a judge where I can't, uh, you know, explicitly mention the name of Jesus as I'm sentencing people? Mm. And then he mm. said to me, ah, and he gave me this idea, right? And I think we've mentioned this a couple of times maybe, but I just love this example. And he said, so maybe what I'm doing is when I sentence somebody, maybe I got to sentence them for a, a long prison term. I can say to him something to the effect of, you know, your actions have consequences. And because of what you've chosen to do, the consequences are, you know, like, 20 years in prison, but I want you to hear me say to you that the choices you've made, they don't define you. They're not who you are. Those are just choices that you made. You can be a great man still, or you can be a great woman still. 
And so for him to, to kind of realize, wow, just in saying that, speaking that way to somebody who's done evil, who's going to suffer consequences for it, I'm here standing in a, in a godlike figure, person of authority, but I'm not condemning this man. I'm giving him a sense mm -hmm. of hope even as I'm holding him accountable for his choices. Like th that to me is an, in, uh, an instance of recreation. Awesome. He's trying it's to so change helpful. a judicial system which all mm. too often is just stuck in a rut of condemnation yeah. and, 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 and no chance for real redemption, change, no hope being offered, no encouragement being offered. Um, he's speaking hope and encouragement into people who've done bad things. So, so as I'm listening to y'all talk, I, I'm thinking about like, so, so you're, this judge is someone now because of this Christian vision, this biblical worldview that we talk about, sees all of life as, as his mission territory. So, you know, we talk about, you know, is the Lord the Lord of every part of your life? Have we given him permission mm. to move in every facet of our lives, our vocation, our mission, or whatever? And I, I think it's um, in Christendom to Apostolic Mission where we hear that the Christian isn't just someone who sees some things differently. They see everything differently. So mm -hmm. I think as we're talking about, like, being agents of recreation, I'm not putting my faith or my Christian life or my Christian witness in this little box. I have this broader view that the Lord, I want to invite the Lord into every facet of my life. And so that my presence or your presence or your presence, Father, transforms that space mm. where he's called us to move, to be leaven. Right. And that might be as a mom in a neighborhood, or it might be a grandmother or a dad or a mom or someone in the grocery store. I mean, there's wherever God calls us as in, in our vocation, Nick, as lay yeah, men yeah. and women, we're supposed to see all of life as a mission field and, and, and to submit in like this joyful authority, like, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve the king today wherever I go. Mm -hmm. We're going to fail like crazy, yeah. right? I fail, fail miserably, <laughs> but I understand, I think, if we're really going to be agents of transformation, we understand that we're not talking about just some small, narrow view, right? right Precisely. And I think we, we might have mentioned this last time. I don't recall now. Um, but, you know, this is the whole point behind Jesus's words in Matthew 5, where he says, you are, you know, the city on a hill, you are the light of the world. And the word he uses there for the light of the world huh, is, is a, a lamp, like a little tiny oil lamp, which... Uh, someone would pick up, put in their hand, and then they would walk from room to room. Luthnos. Yeah, Luthnos, actually. I got corrected on it, but I corrected myself. So, so I mean, that's the whole idea, right? So when each one of us, no matter our state of life, our vocation is to be a disciple and to work for recreation. We awake and we say, Lord, here I am. Like, bring me into whatever room in the house, which is the world, my world that I live in, you want to shine your light through. So use me, however broken and frail and bumbling I am, use me. And that's our vocation. Amen. I wish the Detroit Lions would say that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh. So anyway, so, so I think at the end of the day, what we want to do is just operate in total confidence in the Lordship of Jesus, that he's come to do something. Mm -hmm. He's come to recreate the world, and God's inviting all of us to participate in that in some way. And rather than waiting for Caleb mm. or Joshua like to emerge, we're supposed to become one, right? And yeah, that takes can't stress work. that enough. If we can just kind of like like yeah. rewind the tape, underscore that again, yeah. like be a Caleb. Don't mm -hmm. 
Don't, don't wring your hands and get frustrated mm. over why aren't the bishops leading? Why isn't my pastor leading? Why isn't my husband leading? Why isn't whoever leading? You lead. You be a Caleb. You be a Joshua. If we all ask for the grace to be courageous and step into those roles in our own lives, then we will inspire others, right? This is positive peer pressure. When we see other people do hard things for good reasons, it inspires us to go, wow, Mary did that. Nick did that. I think I can do it too, mm-hmm. right? So courage is what's so needed right now in this world in which we live. So there's got to be some practical takeaways. So let's try to wrap this up. What are some things that we can do, guys? Yeah, that's great, Father John. I mean, the first thing that jumps off the page to me is just to check your attitude, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of, so speaking to like, Catholics, if you will, like there's a lot of voices you could listen to Mm. that will really tempt you towards frustration, maybe towards that feeling of rage or anger or being annoyed constantly. What you listen to feeds your attitude. So listen to good things because the voice of the Lord is ultimately the one, the only one to listen to. And we always say he's not anxious. He's not nervous. He's not, he's not frustrated Mm. or angry right now. He's just He's, he is not nervous. And so that's the attitude we need to have. So check your attitude. And this doesn't mean self-help, right? Man, I think I'm feeling pretty afraid today. Let me go get the <laughs> Be Not Afraid book, self-help. No. <laughs> Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus again anew. Invite him in. Lord, I feel afraid today. Lord, last week I gave in to fear all week long, whatever it was, right? Or I was anxious or I've been angry. And invite him back. Surrender, mm-hmm. repent more deeply, right? And kick Satan out. Don't forget that. We can kick Satan out in Jesus' name. That's right. I break the power we, of fear upon me. We have and that I authority. Cast it away, right? That's I mean that. Right. So, so check your attitude. Figure out where you are. Invite the Lord and get His attitude. Thanks, Nick. You know, um, I think that what's on my mind right now is what we sow with our words, right? And because because words have incredible power. So, I just would encourage us, and I'm putting myself at the top of the list, just to be really on guard about discouraging or feel fearful or like despairing words. Um, Just to be really careful about the words that we use. If we're really supposed to be agents of recreation, our speech should be hopeful and encouraging, right? And I'm remembering, um, I'm remembering like Paul's words to Timothy, right? He came to bring encouragement. Mm. And then maybe just another thing, I would just encourage y'all to spend some time with the book of Numbers. So open up your scriptures, and pray with Numbers 13 and 14. And trust that as you do that, God will speak to your heart and you will be inspired. And if you ask him, show me where you are sending me, show me how I can be a Caleb or a Joshua, trust and thank him in advance that he's going to speak that into your heart and he's going to give you something to do. Yeah, absolutely. Another one that comes to mind is just, you're already starting to say it there, Mary, like just really be encouraging, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, yeah. and not to be like, again, naive or, or pretend like there's a lot of bad, not, don't pretend like there's not a lot of bad things going on, but just to be genuinely encouraging and hopeful, again, because Jesus is Lord and he's got this and he's not nervous, right? And, and, and also not to be optimistic either necessarily, right? Well, St. Winston's loss will never close. Well, you know what? That's, that's, that might not be true. Right. <laughs> but what is true is that if we're following Jesus, and if we're being um, agents of recreation, that the circles of influence, the relationships we, the relationships we have, mm-hmm. gosh, boy, we could be a real catalyst for for the right attitude, the right mindset, mm. and that change. I mean, that changes everything. May it be so. 
You know, um, I, I think too, um, one of the, one of the fiercest temptations in tough times like we're in and that we're heading into is cowardice. And again, I just keep thinking about Paul's words to, to Timothy. At the very beginning of this year, the Lord laid on my heart to guard against a spirit of timidity and to pray for the grace of courage. And that was like in the beginning of January, long before like any of what we're dealing with now even came on the scene. You didn't know about COVID at the time? I didn't know about COVID <laughs> at that time, but he, but he was asking me not to press into a spirit of timidity. So I would just encourage us to pray for the grace of courage. Mm. Yeah, so let's bring it back to Caleb and Joshua and Numbers and all that. So again, the, the analogy between them and us. So the Israelites were being offered a land that was filled with milk and honey. But they had to have trust in God to enter into it because the people who were already in the land were, in fact, fierce and dangerous. Now, let's make clear, <laughs> we're not trying to make an analogy there between like God's telling us to invade and overcome people. We're, we're fighting principalities and powers here. That's what we're trying to do. Huh? When we talk about recreation and agents of sabotage and liberating people and rescuing people with the gospel, we're trying to free everybody from the tyranny and the strongholds of Satan and his, his minions, if you will. Huh? But you and I are promised a new heaven and a new earth. And by all means, that, that's only going to fully take place when Jesus gloriously returns. Um, but in the meantime, there are right now in your life, in my life, there are promised lands, quote unquote, in front of us. Just like Mary was mentioned a second ago, places we're being invited to go into with the power of the gospel to be instruments of recreation, instruments of rescue, examples of God's rescue and recreation at work in us even though we still, at least in my case, right, bumble and stumble along all the way. So we're not just supposed to be or uh, examples of recreation. We're supposed to be instruments in his hands, like the judge that we were talking about. So maybe um, as I'm listening uh, to you guys as we close out this conversation, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is asking us, dare we go into them? If we don't, then like the Israelites, we're going to wander in our own deserts, deserts that, that of our, are our own making. And we're not, not going to experience life. We're not going to experience abundant life. We're not going to experience freedom. We're going to be lonely and frustrated, and we're going to end up settling for so much less than what God wants to give us and not doing what he's asking of us to do. And that requires for all, for all of us trust and obedience. And I was talking with Deacon Steve earlier uh, this morning about, you know, each and every one of us have before us decisions to make, right? And, and we know that we're going to leave behind a legacy of some sort. I want to leave behind a blessing that's only possible by the mercy of God. Mm -hmm. But if I stay in the desert, if I long for Egypt... I'm not going to leave behind a blessing for our culture, for our family, for the next generation. So, and I think part of, if we go with them, God's going to do great things in us, not because we're great, but because he is. Yeah, that, thank you, Mary. That's, that speaks to me. That, that I think another question is, you know, what land, mm. right? So, so think about the promised land, yeah. Caleb. Mm. You're Caleb, right? You're listening. You're Caleb. Be Caleb. What land is God calling you to bring the gospel to? And, you know, another way of saying, what is God calling you to do? Uh, just to really think about that and say, okay, Lord, despite everything going on, 
Help me stay focused on the mission, the land, the promised land that you're showing me, that you're calling me to, to be bold. Mm-hmm. That you're call, even, if, even if it looks daunting, even if it looks like they're better equipped, they're bigger than us, they're stronger than us, all those, all those silly things. Jesus is Lord. He's on your side. What's he calling you to do? Do it. Yeah, and, and that's really it. Do the next right thing because it's mm. impossible right now to make any kind of long-term plans. Nobody knows what the heck is going to be happening over the next couple of months, next couple of years, whether or not we got a vaccine, whoever, whether the country is going to get closed down. Who knows? So you just can't continue to operate out of fear. Simply ask the Lord, Lord, what's the thing today you're asking me to do? And as you do that, just don't be afraid, right? God is with you. God is sending you, and you were born for this. Mm-hmm.